the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Welcome again, folks, to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. We're glad you're with us. Right here on AM 990, FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. Pete Paquette is here. Uh, he does the engineering superbly. Andrew Herdliska produces the show. And Sharon Janes is the guest. She's in Charlotte, North Carolina. Co-founder of Girlfriends of God, In God, etc. Her book is out, Praying for Your Child. From Head to Toe, a 30-day guide to powerful and effective scripture-based prayers. Yeah, we only have to look, Pat, we just look at the news. We see that our kids are under attack now more than ever before. We think about them starting school now, and we parents are worried about school shootings, 51 last year, 167 since 2018. We see that the kids are exposed to so much on the Internet and through social media. We also see that, that suicide now is the second leading cause of death with children and adolescents, young adults between the ages of 15 and 24. So there's a lot of stress on kids, a lot of, lot of pressure. And when we were growing up, there was peer pressure, but nothing like these kids were experiencing today with the Internet and what's going on at school, but also what they're seeing in the privacy of their own homes, in their bedrooms, with their cell phones, and their computers. But with all that, Pat, what we do know is that the Word tells us that we are not fighting a, a, a battle of flesh and blood, that our struggle is against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the, in the heavenly realm. So if we're fighting a spiritual war, then we need to fight with spiritual weapons. Um, Paul tells that us again in Second Corinthians 10. It says, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are weapons are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And I love that, that phrase, divine power to demolish strongholds, because that word in the Greek, which is a new, the original language of the New Testament, is dunamos. It's where we get our word dynamite. And dynamite's made from when you bring nitrogen and glycerin together, boom, you have dynamite. So we have that same kind of power when we bring the Word of God and prayer together, boom, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. And before I wrote the book, Pat, I talked to, to parents about what they're worried about. To moms, what are you worried about? And they're worried about safety. They're worried about depression. They're worried about the effect the current culture has. And as you and I know, we look and see what was illegal yesterday is legal today. 
um, that can be very confusing. It is very confusing to a child. It doesn't mean what was wrong today is right today. It just means it's legal. Parents are very concerned about about gender confusion. Um, they have so many concerns with their kids. So we, instead of worrying about it, we're going to pray and we're going to cover these children in prayer. You know, when when Jesus's disciples asked him, "Lord, teach us how to pray," he gave them what we have come to know, Pat, as as the Lord's Prayer. And it's really not, I don't think, something he meant for us to say as a rote prayer, but as a pattern of prayer. So we are praising God, thanking God, praying for our needs, confessing our sin, praising God again, a pattern of prayer. So that's what we're doing here in praying for your child from head to toe. It is a pattern of prayer. We're going to pray over 16 areas of a child's life from the top, from the mind and what they think about, all the way down to their feet and the path that they take. And about 10 years ago, I wrote a book called Pray for Your Husband from Head to Toe. So this people kept saying, we need this for kids. And so 10 years later, here we are, and we're using the same kind of pattern to pray for our children. Sharon Janes is with us. She's in Charlotte, praying for your child from head to toe. So uh, how do you make prayer for our children so that it becomes a natural habit? That's the key, I think, Sharon. That is the the habit. And I don't know about you, Pat, but a lot of times when I sit down to pray, uh, my my mind will wonder. I'll I'll start to pray and I'll think, oh, I need to call that person. Oh, Lord, I'm so sorry, and get back to prayer. So my mind would wander, and I thought, okay, I'm going to have set up a pattern, like Jesus said, a pattern of prayer, um, so that my mind won't do that, and I can make sure that I'm covering this child from from the top to the bottom with scripture prayer. So let me just go through those 16 landmarks really quickly. Uh, We're going to start with the mind and pray about what the child thinks about. And when I say child, I'm talking about birth to emptiness and beyond. So we're going to be praying what they think about, uh, because we know that what they think about will determine what they are about. We're praying for the thoughts that come in their mind and that rattle around in their mind. Scripture says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So it really all all starts there. Then we're going to pray for their eyes, again, praying scripture about what they look at. We're going to pray for their ears, what and who they listen to. We're going to pray for their mouth and the words that they speak. We know death and life are in the power of the tongue. So we're going to to pray that the words they speak will be life-speaking words. Uh, we're going to pray for the neck. We're going, and that the neck is kind of unusual. That's we got the head there. Now we're going to turn the head, and the neck is what is decision making. What turns their head to the left or the right to make decisions in their lives? And we know that decisions determine destinies, and choices create histories. And and that's whether we're talking about world history or the, our own history in our lives. So we're going to be praying. We're going to be praying for um, the decisions that they're making. And moving down to the shoulders, we're going to pray for the burdens and worries that they have. That all kids worry, parents worry. You just mentioned that. And those worries start out very small and seem trivial, and they grow larger and more cumbersome as a child grows older and worrying about test grades. And are they smaller or too large? Are they accepted by their peers about friendships? About now the pandemic, bullying, natural disasters. All that kids are worried about, and statistics show us that stress among children 
is estimated to increase 45% in the past 30 years. I think a lot of that, again, is due to the Internet and what they're seeing. But Paul encourages us, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. So we're praying about those worries and burdens that don't know what to do with them, and that they will put those cares, cast those cares um, on to God. Moving down to the heart, praying for who and what um, our child loves. We're praying for their back. That's their spiritual and uh, physical protection and the spiritual realm that they will will be praying that God will be surrounding what is surrounding them, praying for their physical protection, praying for their arms. And now in the Bible, the, the strong arm of God is something we read often. So when it's talking about God's strength, often it's compared to, to arms. So we're praying for their strength, that they'll be strong in character and courage, um, that they'll be all that God's fashioned them to be, that they'll be physically and emotionally and spiritually strong, and we're praying for their hands. Um, that's their gift and talents, that, that they'll discover what those unique gift and talents and abilities are, and then to develop that God potential in them. We're going to pray for their ring finger. As soon as they're born, we're going to be praying for that future spouse, that we're praying for someone else, this child, as we're praying for that future spouse. And I want to interject here too, Pat, as we talk about praying for our children, praying for our grandchildren, praying for our nieces and nephews, we can be praying for other children that come into our child's life. I was not raised in a Christian home. It was a very, very difficult home. But there was a woman, a mother of a friend of mine on the next on the next block, and she took me under her wing when I was 12 years old, began to pray for me and to teach me about Jesus. And when I was 14, she led me to Christ, and I prayed that Christ would be the Lord of my life. And so I became a Christian through a mother, just not my own mother. And then through that, that's after I became a Christian, both of my parents in a six-year period gave their lives to the Lord. So we can see how important it is to be praying for other children who come across our path as well. And that leads us to the site. We're going to be praying that our children will choose godly friends to walk side by side with in, in relationship with them. Um, and then we are going to be praying for their sexuality as we're moving down, praying for sexual purity and identity that they'll embrace and celebrate their God-given gender at birth and the practice sexual purity in this culture that is so sex-saturated. We're going to pray for their legs. We're going to pray that they'll be able to stand on godly principles. And, and it's going to take courage when the whole culture is going one way and it's not standing on a godly principle. We need to pray that they'll have the courage to stand on what the Bible says is true. And then we're going to pray for their needs, and that's their relationship with God, that they will accept Christ as Savior and then continue to grow and mature spiritually, that they'll be humble for God. And finally, it takes us to their feet, and we're going to pray for the path that they take, that final um, landmark that we're praying here, that their feet will take them on a journey of life that God has chosen for them. So covering the child from top the bottom. You know, it takes uh, almost more time to explain it than it does to do it. So it takes about five to seven minutes to cover your child in these scriptural prayers every day. Sharon Janes is our guest. She's in Charlotte, North Carolina. We're talking about praying for your child from head to toe. By the way, uh, Girlfriends in God, which you co-founded, what's that about? Girlfriends in God has been going on for 17 years, and we actually ended it this year. But um, it is a it was a ministry that had um, online devotions, and now I do an online devotion every Tuesday, 
and two of my other friends have individual days that they do devotions for. And I also write for Proverbs 31. I helped start that ministry way back in the day, and um, I have devotions that are on um, Proverbs 31 ministries about every other month as well. Uh, Our guest, Sharon James, uh, we've got uh, another segment with her. Uh, She's uh, authored this book, Praying for Your Child from Head to Toe, A 30-Day Guide to Powerful and Effective Scripture-Based Prayers. And when we come back, uh, I want Sharon to tell us why prayer is not a means of gaining control over our children to make the men and women we want them to be. Prayer is a means of relinquishing control and asking God to shape our children into the men and women that he wants them to be. She'll uh, discuss that with us right after the break here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's AM 990, FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. We'll be right back. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. Sharon James is with us in Charlotte, North Carolina. We're talking about her book, Praying for Your Child from Head to Toe. And Sharon, before the break, I laid out the next topic for you. So run with it. Ask about um, the quote in the book that talks about we are not praying that we can control for control of our children, but to relinquish control. And when we're praying, we're praying that these children will be exactly who God wants them to be. I think sometimes as parents, we we pray that our children will conform to our image, and that's not what we want at all. We want them to conform to the image of Christ, and they might be very, very different from us. So we're praying that 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 God is the potter and they are the clay. We're relinquishing control. You know, as parents, God has given us a very short, very fleeting of time to to impact a, not just a child, but really an eternal soul. But ultimately, it's God who's going to, to make this person into whom he wants it to be. We're praying scripture over them from top to bottom. Pat, I have to say this, it's a full court press. Is that okay to say? So we have a full court press when we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> I had to say that just for you. Thank you. But, um, yeah, but we are. We are. Um, we're, we're praying from top to bottom for these kids. And I want to say that you know, no one will be a perfect parent, um, but we can all be praying parents who confidently pray for God's protection and provision in the physical and spiritual realms for our children. And I want to interject here. I know that that some people are listening and they're thinking, you know, I have been praying. I've been praying for my child, for my grandchild, for my niece, for my nephew, and I'm just not seeing any results. I want to encourage you today that even if you don't see the results of your prayers, God is always working behind the scenes in ways that we may never know. Jesus said, my father is always at work. He is always at work. He does hear your prayers. He will answer your prayers. It might not be the way you thought it would, but he will answer those prayers. You know, Pat, I think about the, the story of Joseph in the Bible. Remember how he had that vision, that those dreams, that he would be a ruler, that his parents and his brothers would bow down to him. Mm. That was his that was the dream. But over the next fifteen years, seventeen years, it did not look like that was happening. We know what that is his brother sold him into slavery. He became a slave in Potiphar's house. And it actually says in Scripture, and God was with him. I don't know that God thought, 
I mean, I don't know that Joseph thought at that point God was with him, but it says in Scripture he was. Then we know he went to prison. Again, it says, and God was with him. Now, on the outside looking in, if we didn't know the end of the story, we would think God is not fulfilling that promise to him. But he was, just not in the way probably he thought. But then 17 years later, we see that he was second in command um, right under the, the Pharaoh. But if we look at that story and we, we see that God was with him, God was with him, even in that struggle. So God was still working behind the scenes. Also, Pat, I mean, if you think about your own life and think about when you grew the most spiritually, when you matured the most spiritually, I would gander to say it was most likely during a time of struggle. Yes. That, that's certainly the truth with me. So as parents, you know, we don't want to pray that our children will not struggle because that's how they're going to grow. We can pray for them in the struggle. So when you see your child struggling, don't think that God's not answering your prayers. Don't think he isn't listening. When you don't see prayers being answered the way you you had hoped, um, don't think that God's not working. He is always working in your child's life. Now, Sharon, I want you to uh, expand on this. Prayer is a parent's greatest superpower. (laughs) Oh, that's something, a common thing that that people are saying today, talking about their superpower. And it it is our superpower. Um, That's where power comes from, the power to parent um, comes from in in our lives. Um, there's incredible power in prayer, as I mentioned before, about nitrogen and glycerin. And, and um, we can, well, again, we will not be perfect parents, but we can be praying parents who have a lot of power because it is prayer is the conduit through which God's power is released and his will is brought to earth in heaven. That's what we see all through God's word. So it is it is our superpower that, that God has given us the privilege of praying. And again, when we pray, when we don't know what to pray, if we pray the Word of God, we are praying the will of God. So with that prayer, we can see incredible things happen. The enemy's plans are intercepted, principalities and authorities are defeated, and it's through prayer the power and provision of God flows into the lives of His people, and that includes our children. Where do grandparents fit into this discussion? They're right there with the parents. Um, my, my son has grown now. I'm empty nester. I don't have grandchildren yet. But um, I see that this book is for grandparents just as much as it is for parents. also see that it's, it's you know, my target audience, Pat, is women. That's who my ministry for almost 30 years has been with. But there's this book is also... For fathers too. I mean, there is power when a mama prays, but I tell you what, when a father starts praying for their children, that is incredible. So we want, I want to make sure that fathers know, pick it up. It's got a little bit of pink on the cover, but you can do it. Um, you can pray for your children as well. So grandparents, please be praying. Oh, what a legacy we can leave, leave for our kids. Um, you know, hopefully our children are going to outlive us, but they will never outlive the power of our prayers. Where does the church fit into all this? Where do Sunday school teachers fit? Where do pastors fit? Well, they're part of the praying for what they listen to and what goes into their mind. So part of what um, I 
And one of the prayers, I'm praying that they will love church, that they will like going to church. But praying for our pastors and Sunday school teachers um, is very important. It's important to get them there, get them, get them to church so they can hear the Word of God and so that they can be around other Christians as well and have Christian relationships and friendships. Um, I also think, you know, one of the things I have on my website, um, it's a free resource, SharonJames.com. Free resources are at the top of the menu, and it's a, a free download called Praying for Your Child's Teacher. So it's important, I think, that we can take this time as school starting back to, yes, pray for our children, but also pray for our child's teacher because they are around whoever is teaching them for many, many hours during each day. So it's important to pray for those teachers. Sharon James uh, from Charlotte, North Carolina, is visiting with us, talking about her book, Praying for Your Child from Head to Toe. So what's the deal with 30 days, Sharon? Why why is that significant? Well, it's just a a pattern of prayer that we can can use it time and time again. Um, There's 30 days in a month. Sometimes there's 31 but it's very easy to pray for use this one day for each month. Of course, you don't have to. You don't even have to pray a whole day's worth of prayers. If you just want to focus on one, just focus on that one thing. I'm going to pray for my child's mind today. That's what I'm going to focus on. That's great, too. But there's 30 days so that it can flow throughout the month. And if I don't want to say that um, it's so interesting. I just thought of this yesterday, that the book is being released on Labor Day. And... um Motherhood starts with something called labor. That should tell us that it's not going to be easy. <laughs> so when we have children, we're going to struggle. It's going to be hard. And I think about when my son was learning how to ride his bicycle without training wheels. And they already, the training wheels, we'd raised them up enough where they weren't touching the ground. It was time to learn how to, to take them off. And as I was helping him learn how to ride his bicycle, and I would hold on to the back, he would go. Uh, go a little ways, and as soon as he saw that I had let go, he would fall. And after about 10 times, he was so frustrated, and I said, Stephen, this is going to be the most funnest thing you do as a child. Don't give up. And he put his little hands on on his hips, and he said, it's not fun, and it will never be fun. This is a four-year-old. And he went in the house very mad, and it just tickled me. And I thought, you know what, that's how it is with motherhood sometimes. And with parenting in general, we think this is not fun and it will never be fun. But the next day he came out, hopped on that bicycle by himself, and he rode and rode and rode. So it was the funnest thing he did as a child. And as a parent, on those days when we think this isn't fun and it will never be fun, I can assure you, get back on that mama bicycle again and keep praying being a, a great parent. And then one day we're going to get to an age when we look back at raising our children and we will think that was the funnest thing I ever did. Oh, that's great. Sharon James. What do you want people to take from this chat, Sharon? What practical want, steps? What's the next thing? Practical step is to, to know that you have great power in prayer that, again, prayer is not a way to get control of your children. It's a way to relinquish control and for God to turn that that little boy, that little girl, into the person that he wants them to be. Prayers change as they get older, but the Word of God never changes. So we can pray Scripture over our children. We know we're praying God's will for them. I want to encourage them to start praying, covering them in 
and from head to toe with scriptural prayer and to not give up, not give up praying for your children ever, ever, ever. And God is always working behind the scenes to bring about his best for your child. Sharon, you know how it's very difficult for some men to pray out loud uh, at home. It's hard. I mean, it's I've, I've seen men really just, just get completely frazzled. Uh, a word for them, please, in closing? Well, nobody says you have to pray out loud. I haven't um, haven't read that anywhere. Uh, you can pray these mm. scriptures over your children um, quietly. I mean, it, children love to hear their their fathers praying, um, but you don't have to pray out loud. God God can hear your heart. So, I want to encourage you in that. Well, that's a good word. I think that's a good word for for all men. Sharon James has written the book. Make sure you get a copy. Uh, I think it can be valuable to you if you're parenting or grandparenting, praying for your child from head to toe, a 30-day guide to powerful and effective scripture-based prayers. You're listening, and we're on every weekend, the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Always so pleased when you join us right here on AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. You want to be plugged into those call letters All day long. You'll be better off for it. Stay with us. We've got more. We'll be right back. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. Now, here's Pat. Sharon Janes, our guest in that first segment in Charlotte, North Carolina, talking about her book, Praying for your child from head to toe. Well, we go from Charlotte, North Carolina, to Ghana, West Africa. And we've made acquaintance with Michelle McKinney-Hammond. She's got a new book out, When the Shift Happens. Say yes to your next experience when you have to shift. What's the what? First of all, Michelle, welcome to uh, Orlando. It's so nice to catch up with you. And I hope things are well with you. Thank you. I haven't been there in a long time, but I love Florida. Describe Ghana, West Africa to those of us who have never been there, Michelle. I'm curious. Well, it's kind of like Florida or the West Indies. Very tropical. You know, Ghana is at the exact center of the world off by six degrees. So we're right on the equator, and it's nice, balmy weather, and I always say, that we get um, three degrees of weather, hot, hotter, and hotter. (laughs) (laughs) Sharon, tell me about your book and why it was important for you to write this. Well, I thought that, you know, everyone seems to be in a season of change and um, transition, especially since the pandemic. We're doing life differently in so many different ways that I felt that it was important because I was finding that a lot of people were finding it hard to adjust to what was happening around them. Um, I don't know if you know this or if it was even on my bio, but during the uh, pandemic, I was in, I was in London for seven months. What happened? Hello? Yeah, I'm right here. I'm listening. I'm so sorry. Listening carefully. What went on in London? Someone was, 
Um, I was in London because the borders of Ghana closed, and I was on my way to Ghana via London after a speaking engagement when all the, the, the world shut down, right? Yes. We all locked down, and um, I was there for seven months. And I'm telling you, I had to shift. I had to make something happen in my life. I couldn't just sit there and say, why me, Lord, or complain about being shut in the house. So I decided that I would have the mindset of, I get to be in the house. Mm-hmm. And when I decided to say I get to be in the house, the world opened. I got my coaching certification. I started an online meeting every Saturday that hundreds of men and women piled on to because nobody had anywhere to go. And a whole new direction started in my life. And so from that, actually, I was inspired to do the book because, you know, everyone is in the same place, making adjustments, trying to figure out what their new life was going to look like, relationships shifted, um, the way we do business shifted, the way we even shopped shifted. Amazon made a fortune. Timu was born. Zoom was born. The way we met and interacted. And so sometimes I believe that some of us become victims of that shift. If we don't know how to navigate the shift, we get left behind or paralyzed, and others take advantage. What's the difference? A mindset and understanding the season you're in. Michelle McKinney Hammond is our guest, talking about when shift happens. I want you to provide practical tools for us, Michelle, for navigating change. Please. Well, the first thing you've got to do is make a realistic assessment of where you are. Mm-hmm. And you've got to decide, are you seeing the glass half empty or half full? You know, every change in life, we have to know that it's an opportunity to step it up. It's an opportunity to create a new you. And that should be exciting. It shouldn't be frightening. Now, when you've made that honest assessment, then you've got to deal with what tools are available to me? What are my options? And I always tell people when they get to that place, what have you always wanted to do that you've never done because money was an issue? Let's start there. And when you begin to embrace your dreams and see the possibilities of them coming true in a time when you don't have any other options, you'll be amazed at what happens. I mean, I had always wanted to take a coaching class, and now was the time to take it because I didn't have any other options. That was at my fingertips. You see what I'm saying? Yes. So I believe that when we make an honest assessment of where we are and then locate what we really want to do and then decide what the options are, the world becomes our oyster. The other thing you've got to do is locate yourself. Where am I right now? How am I feeling about where I am? What do I want to be different in my life? And then really sit down and think, how can I make that happen? And who do I need to help me make it happen? Because we don't do anything alone, as you know. So it's very, very important for us to know what our sources are and, and who our sponsors can be and who our champions can be. And, and get in touch with them. Be vulnerable. Don't be prideful. Um, you know, be, be willing to open to counsel, be open to counsel, um, be open to direction, be open to help. You'll be surprised 
People love to help people because it makes them feel valued. And when you've got a great idea, guess what? It sells itself. My guest in West Africa, the very, very interesting Michelle McKinney Hammond. Now, I want solid spiritual principles, Michelle, for dealing with these life shifts you're teaching us about. Solid spiritual principles. The book of Ruth. First of all, there was a famine, kind of like COVID. And people felt the need to move. They felt the need to take life into their own hands because God wasn't providing, correct? Yes. Or so they thought. So they moved on their own. They made their own shift. Now, I'm going to interject right here that it's important that when you shift, that it's a God-led shift. It's a God-led shift. It shouldn't be you just coming up with a plan to rescue yourself. You've got to be thoughtful. You've got to be prayerful about which direction do I go in from here? You know, we see throughout the history in the Word where kings went to God and said, should I fight this battle? And then God would say, yes, go fight the battle. And then they would win the battle. And when they took life into their own hands, they lost the battle. So I'm going to back up right here and say, one needs to pray before they make the shift. While you're looking at your options and choices, Allow the Holy Spirit to be your wisdom. Well, they moved on their own, which is pretty ironic because, you know, they lived in Bethlehem, which was House of Bread, which is a place of God's provision. And they moved to a place called Moab, which means just short of the blessing of God. How ironic is that? And, of course, they got there, and it led them into compromise. They ended up intermarrying with those that they shouldn't marry, and then those people died. And they still were in a state of famine. But Naomi heard that back where she came from, everyone had survived and they were flourishing, and it was harvest season. So she decides to make another shift. She goes back home. With that shift, her daughter-in-law, Ruth, decides to shift with her. As we know, Orpah, they both were going to go. Orpah and Ruth were going to go. And then Orpah found out there wasn't going to be a man there for her. So she decided to stay home. She didn't shift, and we never hear anything else about Orpah again. However, Ruth made the shift, and I believe it was a divine shift that landed her in the lineage of Christ himself, where she became the great-grandmother of David, the king of Israel. So when we're bold and courageous and we decide to follow where God is pointing, when we make the shift, it takes us to another level of living altogether that we would never have expected or imagined for ourselves. I get it. I'm digging this. This is good. Now, I want you to, uh, Michelle, I want you to talk to us about how enabling us to consider the value of mistakes. How do you, how do, you do that? What's the, what's the key here? It always takes us somewhere that we would never have gone originally. Mistakes. I think that sometimes we feel that mistakes are, are debilitating, that they paralyze us, that they keep us from getting where God wants us to be. And yet God uses mistakes. Sometimes that's the only way that we get to the next level. What we have to understand is that when we start over, we're not just starting over, 
we're starting over from a place of experience because we learned something from the mistake. And that's the value of the mistake. The mistake teaches you not, what not to do the next time. And so now you're actually more powerful than you were before because the mistake taught you a lesson that you wouldn't have learned any other way. My guest is um, this very interesting Michelle McKinney Hammond. She is in Ghana, West Africa, and she's written this book, a wonderful book, When Shift Happens, Say Yes. In other words, when opportunities come and you feel like uh, everything's against you, uh, that's when you really learn. That's when you really grow. Uh, that's when you become all that you can be. That's what you become, uh, what God created you for. Uh, the book has uh, tales, yes. stories, anecdotes from Michelle's life. And she offers heartfelt lessons, prayers, and reflection questions to help you embrace your next shift that is coming. Well, we need to take a break. And when we come back, uh, Michelle is going to teach us about uh, helping you embrace change as opportunity. This is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. You're plugged into AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. Uh, we will return with Michelle McKinney Hammond right after these messages. Stay with us. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. Now, here's Pat. Michelle McKinney Hammond makes her home in Ghana, West Africa. She travels all around the world for speaking engagements. And her book is out, When Shift Happens, Say Yes to your next challenge. And and before the break, Michelle, I, I uh, set you up with this topic. Uh, I want you to help us embrace change as opportunity. Teach us, please. Well, if I may, use my own personal story here. I felt very much like Abraham. Um, I went through um, a financial setback where everything just, I lost everything. Now, it could have been a time of great paralysis. It was a Job moment. Um, and I, like Job, sat and said, God's up to something. And I really want to challenge everyone that's listening at this time, that if you're in that place where you're beginning to wonder why, why is everything falling apart, or you find yourself in a cycle of the same failings and fallings, seeming failings and fallings, don't ask why, ask what. In that moment, I asked God what. After I had lost everything and nothing seemed to be working, and God told me to move to Ghana. And I was like, what? I was living in Chicago. I was traveling every weekend speaking, and, and things were just not what they should be um, due to some, you know, administrative issues. Ghana was never on my to-do list, Pat, never. It was the place where I came and visited every year. I spent Christmas with my dad, but it was not on my bucket list of moving here, retiring here, or any of that. And yet, when I obeyed God, the world opened before me. 
and the things that have happened in my life since I moved to Ghana have been amazing and wouldn't have happened anywhere else. So think of Abraham in this moment when God says, get up and move. And he says, where? And he says, I'll show you. Can you imagine the faith it took to just get up and just follow where God pointed, not knowing where you were going? in search of a city you knew not of, and your wife is asking you where we're going, and you're going, I don't know, we'll know when we get there. And yet, Abraham became the father of many nations and became a very wealthy man. Sometimes God calls us out of our comfort zone and creates divine discomfort to get us to the place that he knows deep in our hearts we really want to be. But he also knows that we won't get there where we are. And so he allows that upsetting season in our lives. He allows things to die off. He allows that disruption to take place to get us out of where we are and get us into our next. Now, Michelle, I want you to address this topic for us. Shift your perspective to expect the best as God redirects. I think this is an important, really important. I want you to explain that to us. Shift your perspective. To expect the best as God redirects. Well, it becomes a trust issue, doesn't it? Yes. Uh, Is God good or not? You know, um, that's a decision that you have to make at the onset of any trial in your life. Is God good or not? And if you truly believe he is, then the next statement you have to say is, God's got to be up to something good when I get to the other side of this. And we should know by now, if we're mature in the Lord, we know that he doesn't yank us out of situations. He brings us through. He brings us through the fire, and nobody smells the smoke. There's no sign of burning on us when we do. And that's the miraculous power of God and how he glorifies himself and proves who he is to us. And so shifting your mindset is, it's the Word says, let me put it this way, the Word says, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. So where are you looking? Are you, Peter, looking at the water and getting ready to drown because you've taken your eyes off of the one who keeps you above your circumstances? Or are you feeling that the circumstances are greater than the one who's able to bring you through? Perspective is everything. And perspective comes from emotion. It comes from that thought that creates a feeling and then um, adjusts our mindset. So we've got to really reevaluate our thought process when we enter situations that seem to assault us um, in an unwelcome fashion. So I lost my job at one point in life. Actually, Pat, I got fired or rehired at the same job twice. Can you believe it? (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, I mean, it it was hilarious. But you know what? The first time, it made me a student of what type of employee I was supposed to be. The second time, I knew God was releasing me because he wanted me to do something greater. In both instances, I had an expectation of God doing something bigger than where I was, and he did. We can paralyze ourselves with our own expectations, like that man at the pool of Bethesda, can you imagine laying there for 38 years? I would have crawled over there and flipped myself in when the water. I would have found a way to get in that water after 38 years. And then <laughs> he had to have had some sort of ability to move. He had to go to the bathroom. 
But you know what? <laughs> he hung out with company that had all decided this is the way life is going to be. And the minute he settled into that, it made him paralyzed. And just think, it took one sentence from Jesus to get him to stand up and walk after 38 years. So that is why perspective is important, because how we look at a situation can either propel us or paralyze us. My, <clears throat> my guest, and uh, boy, she's, she's a good one. She's interesting. Michelle McKinney-Hammond. Michelle, you've laid out a few things that have really made me curious. Tell me where you grew up and, and, and tell me how your life began to track. <clears throat> and when did the Lord really get a hold of you? And, 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 and why? How did, how did the whole Ghana thing come about? I want to hear this. <laughs> well, it's quite the story, Pat. My life has been an amazing adventure. I was born in London. My mother was a student from Barbados, and my dad was a student from Ghana. And then she decided she didn't want to move to Ghana. So she shipped me off to Barbados to live with her sisters. She ended up marrying an American. We ended up in America. I grew up in a little town called Muskegon, Michigan. Really? Mm -hmm. And I had big dreams in that little town. <laughs> and I loved music. I loved theater. I got a scholarship to Juilliard, and my African father said, you need to get a real job. That's not going to fly because that's what African parents do. You know, they expect everybody to be doctors and lawyers. So I ended up studying commercial art and entered the exciting arena of advertising and worked for the largest black agency in the country. I, I created advertisements for McDonald's and Coca-Cola and um, Ford Motor Company, you name it. I worked on those big clients and met a bunch of celebrities and was flying high. And the day that I got hired after working there freelance, my boyfriend got killed. Oh, my. And I was faced with the question of what happens in eternity. Where did he go? About that time, Hal Lindsey had written the book, The Late Great Planet oh, Earth. Oh, my goodness. My sleepless nights, I sat in my bed, and I read that book, and I put that book down on my lap and asked Christ into my heart in the middle of the night alone. Mm. I got to meet him several years later and tell him, I'm your fruit, after I had written three books, and he cried like a baby. It was the one of the most beautiful moments. But after that, I was walking across the street, and I got hit by a car. Wow. And I was in bed for a year and a half. Dr. Mark Bowen, who was the doctor for the Chicago Bears, put my knee back together. And while I was in bed, I wrote the book, What to Do Until Love Finds You. It sold out of its first printing in three weeks. 12,000 copies gone. And so... I am a living witness, Pat, that every setback is a setup for a comeback, as my dear friend Tim Story would say. I've gone from one thing to the other. I mean, I'm giving you the cliff notes on this. Then later, after September 11th, I was a speaker by then because I'd written several books and I had gotten very popular in speaking uh, circuit, but everything came to a screeching halt. And I had an accountant that messed me up financially. And so I was losing everything. And then my dad died. Mm. And my friends actually even had to take up a collection to get me to Ghana for the funeral. And when I came, guess what, Pat? I inherited everything. He left everything to me, even though I had more siblings. 
And so I went back to America, and I was like, well, I'll handle that stuff from here. I've got ministry going on, and I'm doing stuff in America. And then everything just came to a halt. And I cried out to God at a convention and said, Lord, what am I supposed to be doing? I know that you have more for me than what I'm going through right now. And he said, I want you to move to Ghana. I said, what? Right now, rebuke you. (laughs) My goodness. But I said, confirm it for me, Lord, if it's truly you. And my accountant said to me, my accountant said to me, um, this is not sustainable, what's happening in your office. I need you to think about what you're going to do with your life. If I were you, if I were you, I would move to Ghana and sit in my father's house and figure out what God wants to do with my life. And she was Jewish. I said, well, Annie, I think you made a point. And so three weeks later, everything I had, I packed up and took with me to Ghana. And had my dogs on the plane, and off we went. You know, I've got a house full of sisters. So that's my life in a nutshell. And it has not stopped there. Every dream I've ever had, God has made come true in this place. I had always wanted to be in television, and I was in television in the sense I co-hosted a, uh, a Christian talk show and won an Emmy for co-hosting. But I also wanted to do movies and act and, and sing. And since I've been in Ghana... I now have a music ministry. Uh, we're releasing our first record in um, September, along with the book. And I've been acting in movies. So you see, God will make all your dreams come true, but it's usually through sudden shifts, halts, life assaulting you in one way or the other, and calling for drastic change in your life that you've got to have the courage and be willing to take, all based on your trust for Him, knowing He's taking you somewhere. As they say in Ghana, when we're telling a long story, let me land. Let me land. Let God land in your life. Let him show you the end of the story that he's made for you. Michelle McKinney Hammond has been our guest. When Shift Happens. What a book. Thanks for joining us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. We'll see you next weekend right here at AM 990, FM 101.5. The word in Orlando. God bless. Have a great week ahead. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this time where faith comes by hearing. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.